This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Drunken Comedian Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hoss, and this is a podcast where I I go to chat to comedians, I interview them over a pint, and we just talk about comedy, uh, performing, and also just a mixture of other stuff as well. Uh, I say I'm Matt Hoss, it's great to be here again. Thank you for listening and downloading, and it's always really nice to hear how people respond to the episodes uh, so i really appreciate everyone getting involved and uh, people retweeting and favoriting stuff uh, oh how can i retweet and favorite and like things well you can find us on twitter at drunk pod and you can find us on facebook or at drunk pod as well or the drunken comedian podcast and you can also find some stuff online currently it's on my website at www.matthosscomedy.com and you can also find this at drunkcompod at uh, Podbean as well. Uh, this is also available on iTunes, which you can give us a five-star review. And why would you give us five stars? Well, that begs the question. And the question is, who is on this week? Uh, I say week, more like fortnight. But we have the fantastic Mr. Dave Shauna on this episode. And it's a really uh, delightful episode. We... We decided to record on a hillside in Hastings uh, over a drink, and and it was to be honest that we recorded it during a busy day in the town centre, and I was getting a bit stressed out, and I thought, do you know what, like let's just go outside and do it on a hillside, and it's really really quite peaceful, and I quite enjoyed it. Uh, there were a couple of seagulls every now and then, and in the edited file I had to edit out where a dog heckled us. So. <laughs> And I start off the episode by complaining about um, seagulls heckling the other podcast as well. But Dave, if you don't know who Dave is, he is a comedian that's been going for a little while. He's He's been quite uh, uh, pr- prolific in terms of doing some really amazing shows. He mentions in the podcast that uh, in the previous year that he did a show about circumcision. Uh, this year's show, it's about um, like finding out about food origins and stuff like that and tr- uh, trying to test himself by being vegan. And we do talk about being vegan uh, f- during the podcast accidentally quite a lot, but not not. it's very much talking about bad vegan etiquette in, in terms of uh, certain vegans who I find to be a bit dickish. But uh, it's a really cool and nice podcast, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Dave does a lot of work for uh, Laughing Horse and the Free Fringe. He works alongside Alex Petty quite a lot uh, and Robin Perkins. And he is genuinely one of the nicest guys in comedy. So I hope you enjoy this interview. This is Matt Hoss on the Drunken Comedian Podcast with Mr. Dave Shawner. Hope you're ready for our podcast today, and I hope you're ready for what we're about to say. Make sure you comfortably on a bus or a train, because we're gonna go straight inside your brain. Get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Hope you're ready for the podcast. I bet you're ready for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're probably ready. Enjoy the podcast. by many seagulls over the course of this uh, have you uh, well just uh, uh, well I did one earlier and it's just like someone's giving a very sentimental answer so well the thing is wah, 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 wah. Uh, and that was one of the guests um, brilliant how's your day been then 
It's been really lovely, I've got to admit. Like, honestly, doing this, I, I'm definitely more of a festivals yeah. kind of person. And it's just, it's just little things like this. So we went up to the Smuggler's Cove earlier on. They've got like a history kind of like museum that's set in the rock yeah. of Hastings. And we saw some funk. And it's, it's just been a really lovely kind of day. And it's been, it feels like a bit of a holiday, really, rather than work. It does. And uh, we're currently sat on the Hastings Hill. Uh, overlooking the sea. I think, is uh, that France? Um, Can you see that? That might be a ridiculous thing to say. I don't think it is France, but I'm not, uh, I'm not a geography teacher. I can't, I'm not liable to say really. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, could have, you could have really put me over there and said, no Dave, that's a boat or just something like that. You no, know. that's Spain actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Either uh, that or just a line of pollution. Yeah. In the distance. We're having a great time. Yeah. That's why it's so warm yeah, here. It's the inevitable apocalypse just on the horizon. <laughs> Well, if you switch on a TV or sort of open a paper, the, the, the apocalypse is nigh now. Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh... I thought the apocalypse would be like at least three weeks ago because like, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> like oh, the, the way the news is at the moment, it's just uh, everything. There's just yeah. one tragedy to the next, really. Yeah. And it's just it's just really it's just it's like I um I started to get into like politics and stuff at the start of well late 2015 and uh, um early 2016 and I, I really got into like the EU referendum before mm. the like the fallout of it if you know what I mean because like but everyone before was like yeah it's not really that important and afterwards everyone's like oh my god yeah. why did people do that uh, we had the debate after the the vote which is stupid unfortunately <laughs> uh, but uh but I, I did genuinely get quite like down and depressed about yeah. it. Like, if you look at the news, too, it's like looking into the void. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I. That's why I wanted to do this show because I wanted the show to be like positive and uplifting. And there was so much about politics I put in it. That unfortunately, I've had to take out. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that sort of the Brexit showed me that I haven't really put in the show is that the thing is a lot of it was done on social media and everyone has a voice now. But when everyone has a voice people don't feel like they're being listened to yeah yeah because everyone's shouting to vote and when people don't feel like they're being listened to they go to the extremes which is why we get katie hopkins donald trump nigel farage because they're saying the unsayable things and unfortunately that has a bigger reach yeah it does if you say to someone oh you're looking great brilliant they probably won't you know they probably won't recount that anecdote later on if you go up to someone and say you look like a piece of shit they'll probably tell all of their friends you won't believe what someone told me today yeah and it's horrible that you've met my (laughs) mum Really? Is your mum like that? That's... No, she's not. Uh, she probably listened to this podcast, so uh, that's not character assassinator. <laughs> no, I've got to admit, I, I do, it just really upsets me that negativity, unfortunately, seems to, at the moment, have a a much larger reach than positivity. Well, um, well, uh, I'll come back to your show in a second, because mm. I do want to talk to you about that. Uh, but uh, the, the thing is, uh, I, I think that uh, the, the world is kind of fractured, and it's kind of, I think it's quite broken but i think although negativity is kind of uh it's reams at the moment there's so there's so much negativity however i think there is positivity in uh in the smaller things in life as well so uh uh with every act of kindness as that, that kind of stitches the world yeah. back together if you know what i mean it might be out of place and broken but at least there's people trying to like yeah. create a create um a stitcher if you know what i mean but uh, that's my that's my philosophy. Uh, that's oh, my, uh, yeah. it's, it's how I end my show in my uh, in my uh, in my current show at the moment. It's like, really? hey guys, this be really sweet. Uh, actually, uh, it's it's kind of like uh, you, no one's perfect, but just do the best you can do, really. So, yeah. uh, uh, well, it's it's more to it than that. Come see the show, guys. Uh, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, tell tell me about your show, man. Uh, 
Well, it's like, well, it, it, so yeah, and just kind of, it, the show's called Say La Vegan, and it's all about the origin of food ideas and views, and it started off, because basically, around this time last year, I, tried, I looked into being vegan, uh-huh. and I looked into the origin of my food, and I was really, really shocked. It's interesting, isn't it, man? It's fascinating. Yeah, because like, um, before I turned vegetarian, I would not have looked at any food no. packaging or information, but now as a vegan, uh, you have to be so methodical and check things, yeah. like... Uh, they even things that seem safe uh, uh, have got stuff in it. You know yeah. what I mean. So, uh, are you currently vegan, or is that part of the the, the show? I wish it was more of the <laughs> show, to be honest. But um, I'm. Uh, you, have you heard of the phrase flexitarian, flexible vegetarian? Yeah. I like to think I'm a flegan because <laughs> I flegan. <laughs> I I, fi- I find it really really tough because like, even things like bananas, unless yeah. they're fair trade, they're not vegan. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's like LCD. Any LCD screen isn't vegan. Really? Uh, yeah. Because apparently, liquid crystals use uh, like cholesterol from a cow to help the crystals line up yeah the five pound notes aren't vegan yeah they say it's only possible to be at best 90 percent vegan yeah my idea of the show is actually like you can only do your little bit yeah um and you know what like there's loads of things i didn't want the show to be and i think it's actually kind of easier to explain why I, did. I didn't want the show to be preachy oh i didn't yeah. want to be the show to try and convert people yeah yeah and i didn't want to be a show that was hinged on stereotypes yeah, yeah and i think there's a lot of stereotypes oh give me a cheer if you're vegan no they're too yeah. weak to cheer and all yeah, yeah um i've found it this is the first kind of show that i've done that's like almost like a project yes yeah uh, and and that's actually been that's been really good fun. it feels like yeah that's how it feels it feels like a school project mm-hmm. um and i'm trying to sort of present it now which is good fun but i i i think that's uh fascinating because uh i i kind of like when i start um uh, uh, a project like uh, I, I kind of think of like starting a stand-up show is like a project because I mm. do the research first. I, I, I get loads of books on the subject and really like kind of uh, fascinate. It re- I get a couple of jokes out of it. Um, like for example, I uh, I read a book uh, about Schopenhauer who was a philosopher. <gasps> yeah, yeah, dude, uh, yeah. he's a fucking dude. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a he's a very interesting guy, and I kind of read up on him and uh, basically, but because uh, I read that book, I've got one joke out of it. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but it's not it's not necessary to find jokes just to be kind of get my mind yeah. in the mindset and it's like kind of doing like a an, like an essay or a dissertation yeah. kind of thing uh, uh, but uh, yeah what I was also going to say I, I also did a show um, my first well it's, it was really like a 45 minute show but I called it an hour uh, it's a uh, it's my it's my how I turned vegetarian and at the end of that show I turned vegan uh, and uh, yeah and that, that was a similar thing because I was so worried when I first started out uh, I was like oh I don't want it to be preachy you know and yeah. uh, and because that would be the worst thing but uh, I think because the people who we are uh, in real life and on stage, I think we're quite uh, sweet and charismatic, I would say. Uh, well, you are. Uh, well, you I are. I just kill the dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's not quite vegan. But, uh, <laughs> as long as you didn't eat the dog, it's fine. <laughs> Funny enough, we had rats the other day and the man came and put down like rat poison. I was like, is that vegan? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, we'll kill them slowly. And I was like, oh. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not going to eat bananas because yeah. they've got yeah. choitas on, but I will happily kill a rat. It's yeah. like, it's very... Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, I, I find it difficult because you have to, uh, uh, the point in my show is uh, it's about morality and uh, how how can you be a good person? And uh, and the it kind of goes down the line of, well, if you try and be moral, you're never going to get to the top of it. There's no top level. And, um, 
and what is that going to leave you what kind of quality of life and it kind of and then it goes into like a, a breakdown kind of period as well yeah it's like a, it's i find it difficult to uh there's some extreme vegans who are like yeah i only eat like um uh and stuff like that and uh, <laughs> and there's actually a, a cult uh, this is what i found for the show is uh, there's group of people called breatharians uh, I, I, I think so i think they only apparently they just they just breathe and that's and they, they kind of i don't know how anorexics basically, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. well what uh, they're called i've got to take a leaf out of the books you know so. <laughs> don't i've done it i've been there don't yeah. do the anorexia thing um, but i think it's a really interesting thing that like yeah you've got the extremes you've got the fruitarians and stuff but you know the one thing that i expected i don't know if you find this with the show i had heard a lot of those stereotypes that vegans go oh oh did you know those shoes aren't vegan or did you know that that chair that you're sitting on not vegan I haven't found that at all. Yeah. I haven't honestly once had someone say, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. I've had a lot of meat eaters yeah. say, oh, why are you doing yeah. that? And I found that quite interesting. So um, do uh, who, who else in your... Uh, do you get a lot of antagonism from friends and family over that? I actually, I kind of hammer up in the show. I get a lot of jokey antagonism. My mum and dad, being bluntly honest, because I had the anorexia, my yeah. mum and dad were terrified, yeah, yeah. and we had a really, had a really awkward family meal once. When dad just said, "You know, this being vegan is that just a smokescreen for being yeah. anorexic again?" And everyone just like dropped their cutlery. Yeah. Like, oh. um, but like to be honest, I've um, no. I think I think honestly, I think my parents have found it tougher mm-hmm. than uh, anybody else. But you get a lot of jokey. Yeah. Um, kind of animosity off those jokey kind yeah. of people. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the way that I personally see it is, it's my choice. It's my kind of uh, it's my, what I eat. I'm not pressing that on anybody else. Yeah. And generally, if you kind of go with that aspect, I haven't really found anyone pressing yeah. meat on me. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I am friends with a couple of vegans on Facebook who are like viciously vegan if you know what I mean they're like uh, like uh, and the thing is no one no one has ever changed their mind when they're being preached to if you know what I mean no, yeah. no one's ever gone hey well that's actually quite right because it's a defensive mechanism you're gonna go well yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but yeah I think um, like uh, and I love doing stand up about being vegan because it's a very passive way to say hey this is what I'm uh, I, I like this thing but you, you don't have to uh, but if you know what I mean uh, and it's a nice way just to kind of passively promote it you know uh, well that's why i think going back to like this is me being a right wanker now but um that's why i think comedy is so important because to go back to chopper hour love chopper hour it's great but he um he was one of the kind of few sort of uh, post 19th century aesthetes and with that being all like lardy da about it he said that art was kind of the, the most important thing yeah. and the reason i don't know do you know like you gonna so basically he said art was the most important thing because art is the only thing in the world that we enjoy in and of itself so for uh-huh. example if you see a picture of an apple, you can't eat that apple. You can't try it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you can't, you can't kind of like do anything with it. You are just appreciating yeah. it in and of itself. Yes. Right. Now he said there are arts, plural. Mm-hmm. So you've got like, yeah, painting and poetry and spoken word. And he said that the highest form of art is music mm-hmm. because music, he said, kind of mirrors the soul. That's his thing. Yeah. There's no real, you can't really go into it too much. I personally think that without being an 
utter twat about this. I really, really, really think that comedy is one of the highest arts because when people are laughing, they're listening. When they're listening, they're learning. And when they're learning, then you can change opinions. And that's yeah. why it's so important. Yeah, and there, there really has been change as well. Like, yeah. the Mark Thomas does shows which <gasps> are all about change, you know? He's a, he's my He is my god. Oh, awesome, man. Like, uh, oh. I, I, I actually, I work with him on several projects. Did you know that? Yeah. No. Yeah, I work with him. Uh, on, like, I, I helped... Uh, he did a show called Trespass, uh, and uh, basically I was one of the first, well, I was one of, uh, one of the only people that did here something called the RBS Way Walk, which is uh, in London at the RBS uh, headquarters offices. You have to chalk up 15 metre triangle outside the main office uh, and walk it, uh, do a 666 laps, uh, uh, just and try and get the best time, and uh, uh, I am the, the reigning champion of the RBS <laughs> Way Walk. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, 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 he's he's one of the like <laughs> nicest comedians I've uh, ever met in my life, and uh, but I think he's uh, I think Mark Thomas is actually a very though he's a big and great comedian. Uh, he uh, I think he's very his he has a, like a fantastic philosophy in which he mm. uh, is very underrated because yeah. he he's one of the most engaging performers and he's one of the most. Um, uh, I think he's the most um, effective performance as well. He really does get message out. In fact, I think I'm wearing a uh, Mark Thomas band right now. Oh, uh, mate, uh, look at this. Read, do you want to read it out? Fuck the swearing, Dan. Ban! Okay, try, try it again. I'll edit there it we out. go. I'll Fuck the... <laughs> Because I saw that earlier on, I was like, I wonder who Dan is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan is the fucking dead. Fucking, fuck the swearing ban. I go. like that. Uh, I once, I, well, I've met him twice. Yeah. Oh, and nice he's such a, the first time I ever met him, Waterloo Station, he is honestly, he is the guy that I've always wanted yes. to be. Yeah. And I read his his, his book uh, as as used on the famous Nelson yes, Mandela. about the arms trade. Uh, a fascinating book. Uh, if anyone has read it, it's all about the uh, BMA systems and the arms trade, and he got, like, 13-year-olds to sell weapons of mass destruction yeah, yeah. to show how corrupt the system was. A beautiful concept of Channel 4 in the 90s. However, I met him once he was in Waterloo Station. I've... I, I don't really get starstruck by kind of celebrities per se, but people that I absolutely revere and respect. I'm like, ah! And yeah. I saw him and I got so nervous that do you remember um, uh, Banzai? Do you remember Shaky Handman that just wouldn't give the hand back and he was just shaking? Oh. <laughs> and I did that and he was like, this guy's weird. And I wanted him to know that I'd read his book. I was like, oh my God, you're like, well, I, I absolutely love all yeah. your work. Yeah. And then I said to him, I've read your book. I shot the famous Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was like, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did get to see him, like, and then I met him on a train. I was doing a gig in Windsor. He was coming back from Slough. And he, it was so lovely. We had this hour-long conversation, because uh, it turns out I knew one of his friends. Anyway, um, and after that hour-long conversation, he said, you know what, I really think I'd love you to come and see my show. Mm-hmm. Um uh, he gave me his email address mm-hmm. and he said I'll give you two free comps come along and see it and yeah. I was like what a guy yeah it's so nice he made time for me to um, he said oh well uh, I, I told him I was a comedian I, I wanted to like uh, I, uh, I loved his work and he said tell you what um, let's let's go and have a coffee and just chat about comedy for a bit and stuff like that and uh, he, he I, I, he's allowed me to work on his website and stuff like that and do jobs for him and stuff like that and it's so wow. cool like, we get to hang out every day like, once every six months and stuff like that I say we get to, uh, well he's just uh, he he He's very caring, and he has. Uh, I love it how he has 
like time for like someone like me as well because I like in my mind I'm like a very small fish but he, he kind of takes care uh, and uh, he, he's, he's done the same for like people like Tien and Dewey uh, and, oh. uh, and and like uh, and yeah he's kind of like he's helped people like uh, throughout the whole ages and I think that's such a nice thing to give back it's like a yeah. sense of comedy community as well in uh, in kind of like you were talking about yeah things can seem shit at the moment and it can seem like you know politics is going to the wall there's going to be World War 3 and whatever but it's actually like it's stories like that that I kind of want yeah, to champion. Yeah, cool. Just it? people like yeah, Mark Thomas helping out. People like Daniel Kitson. Yeah. Doing like the Bill Murray yeah, every single yeah. week. People like Jesus Barry Ferns for setting yeah, up yeah. the Bill Murray. Josie Long the year after she won the Perrier, going round in a van just talking to yeah council estate kids that can't afford to go to comedy. It's like these are the people that deserve. The voice, like that's yeah, you know certainly and it's again as you say it's stand up can be a club thing it can be mm. like that mainstream kind of circuit but we are building there's like an underground DIY circuit of Mark Thomas Josie Long and like people who love comedy and decide to do some using it as a weapon to do something with and I think that's and I I hope to be one of those people one of those. Yeah. you know I want to be that if you know what I mean the, the fanboy in me is always like I want to be exactly like that and in fact I wrote I, I, I love writing a, like like when I write political stuff, I'm like, I'm Mark Thomas. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, so much. Do you ever like copy anyone? Well, have you ever like, uh, particularly if you were a young comic, did you ever mimic any mimic any people's acts? Or oh, absolutely. Like I once read this thing that uh, someone said, in your lifetime of comedy, the first two years, you just mimic other yeah. people. The next three years after that, you're trying to forget all of that. Yeah. And then the following five years, you find your own voice. And I was like, that's a really lovely way of seeing it. I I mean, there's so many people that I, I love the I love the delivery of people like Dara O'Brien, Eddie Izzard. I love the content of Robin Ince, <laughs> Josie Long, of course, Mark Thomas, people like um, Simon, oh God, what's his name? Um, all of these kind of people that, yeah, use comedy as uh, a tool. But I think it's, I think it's so easy to compare yourself to other people. And I think with social media, and I'm not having a go, we have so much insight into other people's lives that I think now, yeah. more than ever before, it's hard to live authentically yourself. And uh, you, you judge yourself by other people's yeah. merits, and you, um, you kind of look at someone else's page and go, hey, well, my life's not as good as that, but they're showing you the published version as opposed to the whole package, you know? I was just talking about this on the way, actually, and it's been really cathartic for me for the past 18 months. Because, yeah, two years ago, I was so I uh, so insecure. Yeah. Um, generally, but like in particular with comedy, so insecure. And I'm still quite insecure about, you know, I should be further on and what am I doing and I'm not really earning that much from it and stuff. Um, but yeah, 18 months, two years ago, I was so insecure. I was always worrying about what comics thought of me. I was always worried about what audiences are thinking about me. I was terrified that the promoters would get annoyed with me. But actually, a lot of the time, it's not. It's much more important to think about how you feel about it. Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. A great example. Me and one of my earliest comedy mates in London, at least, was Richard Todd. Yeah. And I will never forget, I love Richard Todd, and I never forget, we used to go for coffee quite a lot because he used to live opposite me. 
And when he just won his uh, awards, he like yeah, he kind of got signed by Chambers, who was actually his original agent. And then he was. I remember we went out one Saturday uh, daytime, and I went, "How'd it go?" And he was the day before he'd been doing uh, middling for a, a really big size club, like mm-hmm. a, a good decent sized club and he got paid and he got paid quite well especially for the fact he'd been going 18 months Mm -hmm. and I said to him how did it go and he went the show was okay but I didn't like it and I was like what do you mean and he said yeah I just didn't like the atmosphere nobody was really talky you were just kind of expected to do your thing and it was quite intimidating and that was the first time that I ever really thought oh my god we're allowed to have yeah yeah we're allowed to have opinions of whether we like clubs not whether clubs like us and I was like whoa that's the thing Uh, I've like, although uh, like I would love to do more and more clubs, uh, I'm obviously trying to progress as much as possible. Oh. But equally, like, if I'm ever nervous before going on stage, I'm like, no, I'm. I, I kind of stop myself and go, I'm actually, I'm doing this for me. I'm not yeah. doing it for the people out there. I'm doing it for. I'm gonna have a nice time, and with that, I'm. They will have a nice time. Yeah. You know, and and you've got to do it for yourself because there's no. If you're doing it for like the money, there's none of it. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you're doing it for groupies, you're an idiot. Uh, uh, if you're uh, so you're gonna do it for your love and for your passion of it. Uh, else there's no other point, is there? Genuinely, the, yeah, absolutely. And the reason that I got into comedy was when I was at like university, there was an amazing comedy club, and it was booked by CKP at that point. And we'd seen people like Chris Addison, wow. John Richardson. I'm fairly sure that Russell Howard did it before he got big. Some of these incredible names. And you know, the thing that got me was, yeah, they were funny and it was great and whatnot. The thing that really got me was they knew who they were, and that was what got me. If Michael McIntyre gets on stage, you kind of have got an idea of how he probably feels about things like self-service checkouts. Yeah. If someone like Alan Carr goes on stage, you've probably got an idea of how he feels about football. And it's that kind of like, if you cut them up, they would would say the same thing every single way. They weren't kind of flimsy Mm -hmm. personalities of like, if they're in one group, they're like, if they're in another group, they're like, oh, hi. They, you know, and I love that. I really, and I think that's what was one of the things that's so strong about comedy. And that's what I think is so lovely. Of I used to, when I started doing sort of my own shows, I remember I used to try and like hide away because I was insecure, because like I didn't really want to talk to the audience because there's that kind of thing of like, tell us a joke and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and I always used to hide away and I always wanted everything to be perfect. But actually one of the things that's really got me over the past year, so doing last year's show and then doing this year's show, is I actually really like the ruggediness of it like for example going on talking to people as they move and say oh do you mind moving forward a couple of bit there's an audience interaction which makes it better and that kind of stuff instead of trying to play it like you're doing the Apollo actually playing to the size of the room and sort of saying oh we need to move up yeah like um, yeah it's it's it's, I find it strange when uh, when acts don't do that as well Mm. because so many again it's about engagement it's about uh it's about connecting to every single person in that room and making it a once in a lifetime experience as well like it's a uh, it's about unity of the yeah. of everyone as well but um so uh, uh uh you're you're currently in a relationship at the moment i am yes. indeed uh, so how do you find uh, uh with uh, your working life and uh trying to maintain your relationship as well i'm in an incredible i'm in a very 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 lucky uh position in terms of uh, Una, my girlfriend, uh, she is so understanding mm-hmm. and so supportive. 
and like for example she's come down this weekend and I've kind of said to her look I've got to work in the evenings but let's make it let's yeah. make a holiday so I've booked the hotel and we've come down here and we're doing all fun things in the day she's so understanding but I'm also doubly in a lucky position because the comedy that I always want to do generally yes is breaking taboos and whatnot but it's all generally my biggest thing is to do with mental health yeah yeah um and Una is a doctor of psychology, which is how we... Yeah. That's how we yeah. met. Yeah. Um, wow. And I kind of talk about this in, in the show. Like, basically, uh, so I did my first show about having anorexia, and I was doing this conference. I was keynote speaker at a conference in Brighton. Um, and Una had flown over from Belfast, and she was presenting her research, wow. which was all on men with eating disorders, yeah. and that's how we met. Wow, yeah. Uh, Literally so made for each other. Well, this <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I'm not really a boyfriend. I'm more of a case study. But yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so wonderful that a lot of the time I'll actually be talking about comedy, in inverted commas, about things that I think funny or stuff that I want to talk about, and that is directly correlated mm-hmm. To what she's doing or what she wants that's so cool yeah. it's, it's amazing Like, so I'm writing next year's show and I know I shouldn't really say it but you know I can be nothing but honest and I'm more excited about next year's show because next year's show I want to do a show on mental health rather than mental illness yeah. and one of the problems that I had while I was going through therapy and I've now been discharged which is wonderful is that there were no coping mechanisms mm-hmm. I have passive suicidal intent and when I was feeling suicidal Someone saying to me, have you thought of switching on Enya, burning incense and trying mindfulness? I'm like, no, fuck off. I feel like I want to top myself. Don't give me an Enya CD. (laughs) Yeah, I'll make it worse. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's kind of, no, you're absolutely right. I I think, I think that, um, I think everyone's got to try and, I don't think anyone can change the world. I think you can only change the little bubble around you. Yeah. And I think you've got to play to your strength. So I've already started writing next year's show totally. on coping mechanisms. So how, how do you find, um, talking about a different type of relationship, oh. so how does your comedy life relate to your, your mental health? Does comedy directly affect, the, uh, does it affect the other one or is it, uh, is it kind of separate? How, how, how do you deal with, uh, with, uh, with this uh, like an illness as well as doing comedy? I've... The, the honest answer, actually, I want to be able to give a pithy, well-known answer. But the honest answer is I'm still finding out. Cool. And I, you know, maybe I'll never know. And I just think, um, I actually think that mentally I've been more healthy than I, I have done in, in years. Yeah. Probably a decade. Um, and I actually, I know that one of my barometers, one of my biggest warning signs is if... I am not well. Instead of laughing at something, I will take it seriously. I overanalyze things. Mm-hmm. I have a propensity to take things too seriously. And I, when I am the best version of myself, I will see tragedies and whatnot, and I will laugh. <laughs> I want to be able to kind of use that. And I, I know people sort of talk about comedies like, yeah, change the world. But I actually think it's not necessarily about what you do on stage. I think... I actually think, especially with comedy, what you do on stage is only about 20% of the, the, the whole story. Mm-hmm. A good 50% of it is writing. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of it is curiosity, is yeah. learning, is yes. admitting. Yeah. So I, I'm in a really, really, really lucky position that, yeah, that, you know, sort of mental health, comedy, and my own kind of well-being have sort of entwined. And I want to be more honest with people. Like, for example, like... Not last Edinburgh, but the Edinburgh before. I had a couple of really shit days. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. shit days. And, it, and you're at a time where 
Uh, you're performing every day, mm. yeah, and you have ups and downs every yeah. hour as well. Uh, and uh, you could have a great gig, but then uh, oh, you, yeah, you could have a great gig, but then something bad could happen. And yeah. uh, uh, it's like doing a drug, and like you, your body's going through so much as well. Yeah. So it's an intense period, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, so what happened at this like? Uh, was it quite dark in Edinburgh? Or? I think, like, to be honest, I don't want to, like, over-dramatise it. Yeah. I think at, at that point in time, it was three years ago now, um, I'd just been dumped by my previous girlfriend. Yeah. So, obviously, it was never going to be great. Yeah. And I think you... Uh, I'm still trying to untwine, and I find it very difficult to distance uh, between uh, emotions and moods. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by yeah. that is your mental health is kind of like the climate. It's either generally yeah. sunny or generally cold, uh, Whereas your emotions, everyone changes emotions oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah. And that's very much like the weather. Like you can wake up, it's beautifully sunny, it's raining. That's just natural. It's about trying to regulate the climate yeah. and get a sort of stable mood. And that Edinburgh, when I had a couple of like up and down things, what I realised that was happening was I was using the good things to try and equal me out and try yeah. and balance me. What I actually should have been do- doing is try to suppress the bad stuff and also suppress the good stuff and try and just have a kind of even kilter yeah yeah and every time that edinburgh had a good gig i was like ah, this is amazing I'm yeah. amazing. and obviously because there there's a kind of emotional offset yeah that when you have a shit gig it's yeah. it's not just a kind of oh that's rubbish yeah it's uh bad. wow shit so mm. i think i'm trying to be more less snatchy in my approach to kind of comedy and i don't believe that anyone gets anywhere overnight oh no um it's well i there's some comedians that really do uh who do progress a lot quicker than others but they still work hard yes i mean what i'm coming to terms with is just learning that every comedian's on their different path and they're on on their different tracks to uh where they're gonna go and there's some place people going to different places and uh, and tracks will sometimes take longer to get there but it's about putting in that hard work and really just obviously i don't know i could uh, i could be a massive failure but uh if you put in that hard work and you really just keep on trying it's you're bound to get to your destination at some point yeah uh, and your destination might not be the thing that you thought you wanted it to absolutely. be absolutely uh, um because i could be like a stripper in reno next year who knows i hope so <laughs> well, I, uh, i'll get the nipple tussle oh thank you, you know it'd be, that'd be great it'd be lovely <laughs> what, sort of, what would your stripper name be um yeah, well, in my show, I, I do a bit about uh, feminism, and uh, I've written... Well, I, I think uh, I would be Yorkshire's first drag queen. And be, I, I, I would be called Gravy Train, and I thought that would be the sexiest name ever. I'd be like, oh, yes, we'll add some gravy on you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, 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 I should go to a drag show, really. I think you should. I, funny enough, I saw... Uh, I, I did a show the other day where there was a drag act on, and... Um, it's weird. It's actually very odd how the kind of cabaret scene. Yeah. It's something that I'm strangely kind of interested in at the moment. And yes, that does smell. Yeah. Amazing. I can't do cannabis. Uh, probably won't be able to. For the podcast, keep that uh, in. On on the on the hillside, there is uh, some marijuana smokers. It's big so. big smoke. This is not the stoned uh, uh, podcast. I mean, <laughs> you want alcohol only, please. But if we start sort of talking slow and going, you know what, the Beatles were just. Mad. Uh, Norley. Uh, that's that's, what, that's yeah. what I think. Let's get some Oreos. They're vegan. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Oreos are a bit of a hot topic. Well, I say hot topic. Uh, <laughs> apparently, um, they do use uh, some. Mo- uh, I don't think they're as vegan as I thought. To say. Really. Michael Wegg, uh 
famous vegan comedian. Amazing. He said, um, I'm pretty sure he found uh, he showed an article saying where that wasn't vegan that they actually do use milk products. So. Wow. So yeah, it's shit, isn't it? And that's the go. thing. Um, uh, to go back to the vegan topic, go no. on to a different uh, subject in a second. I was at a vegan festival recently, and I was there with uh, my friend who was a comedian, and he has his girlfriend there, and they were both vegan. And what do you do in the situation? They they started drinking this uh, this beverage, and know this beverage is not vegan, but they are vegan. Do you do you tell them there and then uh, that um, that it's not vegan, though they're just taking a drink of it? Or do you let them finish the drink, or do you not mention it? Or because uh, it's because also they didn't have any other drinks for the whole festival as well. I think you know what I think the biggest thing uh, underneath that is the what's your intention of yeah. telling them? Are you telling them to like pull them up on it and go? No, hey. I, I was. I think I would like to tell them just to go. Hey, just to let you know. But I didn't. But yeah. was, we also earlier that day we had talked about like kind of vegans who did call up on people. Yeah. So I didn't want to come across as like, hey guys, well actually uh, I'm a better vegan than you. Uh, uh, so I was like, I'm not quite sure what to do here because. Uh, and yeah, so it's a little bit like was it was it a, an alcoholic? It was an alcoholic. Yeah, of drink, course, yeah. it was. It was an alcoholic. Drink. I've got, I've got to admit, I think with with stuff like that, you, you know what? And this this is probably terrible, but I think yeah, you're never going to be hundred percent vegan. For example, there are no ma- there are no vegan mattresses on the market. Really? Absolutely yeah. none. There is not a single vegan mattress on the market you can't avoid stuff like five pound notes and you know what something that people don't talk about that i haven't been able to find funny but i do really think is true fossil fuels yeah. they're still animals yeah. i was gonna say yeah like uh we, we drive to, uh, yeah. in our cars to uh yeah and I, I do think about that a lot as well uh again you, you can never be 100 percent moral i think uh, that you know we're always doing there's always something that is considered bad uh, yeah. and stuff like that my argument with that though is i think once you analyze the minutiae of that I actually kind of, and perhaps I'm wrong, think that you've sort of lost your way. Because for me, being vegan is about more being more understanding of food, being kinder, and also I've got this. I do this bit about sort of existential philosophy and Spinoza. Yeah. But that, those are kind of my reasons. I think we're doing the same show, mate. We, I think we might actually be the same person. Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine if you came on and you went, my girlfriend's Una, and uh, I was like, oh my god, uh, Matt is. Yeah. Matt's uh, dated Una as well. And yeah. Uh, mate, we've got something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this is your life. She's yeah. gonna come over yeah. the hills. Yeah. Over... We're gonna break. She's gonna do a breakup on the podcast. That's <laughs> we've organised that. It's gonna get a lot of hits. I know. That's the pro- that's the horrible thing about stuff like this, isn't it? It's like keep it recording. You'll yeah. get somewhere. Yeah. That's the only reason I do this podcast just for drama. <laughs> that's, I'm just a really sassy bitch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's also a name that I, I thought. Of yeah. That you could your drag queen name could be. Hosta La Vista. Oh, I like Mars, it. You know? Yeah, I like that. Um, I think with I think with dragging people up on stuff though, I've got to admit I think you've got to do your little bit. Yeah. And yeah, to be honest, I think booze is one that I really really struggle with as well. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. But I, I I I didn't actually mention it to the people because mm. I thought just let them have this one thing and. Yeah. and I, I think it does come down to personal preference because maybe they would like me to have told them, but I think in that moment I thought just ease off, and maybe yeah. it's not for me to say. And also, like, 
I remember when I, uh, it was more when I was vegetarian and I didn't know, uh, there's a website called Barnivore where you can yes. check your, uh, your your vegan stuff. I didn't realise that was a thing and I used to drink a lot of Guinness at the time uh, and I realised that wasn't vegan. Uh, I think it is now though. Uh, well, they're, they're, I'm not sure if it is, uh, this current, they're def- definitely changing the recipe but I'm not sure yeah. if it is right the second. Uh, um, hot topic guys I hope you're hot still enjoying topic. this uh, um, I, I used to drink it but I didn't feel when I found out it had fish in it I was like oh I, I'll know for next time if you know what I mean so yeah. it wasn't like I didn't beat myself up about it absolutely uh, I think that's an important thing Yeah. and also I think as well uh, it's kind of like I think with the arts especially we have to look into these things so that other people don't have to for example I interviewed a butcher and oh really uh well not a butcher sorry uh, a farmer yeah so my dad was actually a butcher yeah. that's why i said yeah. butcher my dad was a butcher so he knew where my food came from oh wow so, so that must be intense it's kind of odd dad dad really likes his meat and you know it was kind of it's nothing to do with yeah. them to be honest my dad has actually been really 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 understanding yeah that said it's really 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 alien yeah to um but I actually interviewed a farmer, son of yeah. a farmer, and he said to me something I didn't realise. He said that apparently with Tesco's, I'm fairly sure it was Tesco's and Sainsbury's, but I'm going to say I'm not sure. Yeah. So that can, you know, so it's not libelous. Um, apparently, EU, like English meat, what they do is they ship uh, carcasses uh-huh. from Europe go through Ireland and then they drive through to uh, England mm-hmm. and then the meat is butchered in oh, the UK so it's and that meat. is sold as British meat because it's been British butchered. Yeah. And for years my mum has been saying well I, I only buy British meat and stuff like this. Well, it's not. It's yeah. actually come from Spain. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's all of these things that like that's just an example of me and I'm not saying all yeah. me things about I'm just showing how we've actually so and so distant I actually really wanted to the show that I really wanted to write was actually about post-modernity but that's just yeah. me being a wanker yeah. so <laughs> oh no, um, man it's really cool I kind of yeah it was something it was post-modernity is something that I do see happening and it is something that I do find very not scary, but I just kind of like people like Baudelaire are kind of like foreseeing so much stuff that is coming. For example, Disneyland. For example, Twitter. For example, Gogglebox. Great yeah. fucking example. Yeah. It's... Great fucking example of postmodernity in normal day life. And if anyone's interested, postmodernity is actually kind of like things being like ultra yeah. real. Um, and there's not being anything original anymore. So yeah. this is why you see a lot of seemingly mundane things people loving because they are real they're yeah. not boxed up they're not technological i think that's really really interesting uh i've got some like general podcast Brilliant. questions can i uh shoot some at you please do Actually, i've got a brand new one can i try it out i you? would love this yeah okay i'd love that all right this is what i thought of today and i think it's great okay um uh, if you could flat share with any three comedians in Edinburgh, dead or alive for a month who would they be <laughs> when when you say dead or alive, would would they be if they're dead? Would they still be dead? No, no. That, that, I mean, a... they they would be reanimated for a month. Uh, so. <laughs> you know what? Like the the honor, the answer that I want to give, the answer that I'd love to give would be Robin Williams. Oh yeah, Daniel Kitson and uh, that's, that's a tricky one with the third one probably Josie Long however yeah. having oh Josie Long and Robin Williams in a flat I'd be like no yeah, I yeah. can't deal but with that that's why it's a good question because it's like oh you have to deal with it for a month yeah. though so uh, I think I would probably 
I, I just go for people that are re- so lacking energy that it'd be fun. So I'd go for, I'd go for Stuart Lee. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd probably, like, he, he gives me the impression he'd probably be asleep yeah. most of the time, wouldn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would go for uh, George Carlin. Oh, yeah. Because he'd just, it, it, I mean, he'd probably be angry. <laughs> hey, Stuart Lee, did you eat all the Cocoa Pops? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I, I still think he'd probably be angry, but he wouldn't come up really pissed up, uh, like in, in the sort of dead of night. Um, and then I've, I've got to have a third one. I don't know who the third one would be. Sorry, Matt Hoss. Uh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, actually, one of the best people share a flat with. I'm sharing a flat with Russell Hicks and have done oh, for the past couple of years. Man. He's just a beautiful human, and it's amazing because he doesn't drink to uh, come back uh, like yeah he's an amazing because I'll come back at like 2 in the morning and we'll just talk about Kerouac yeah. or we will talk about French existential philosophy it's, it's just he lets me be a wanker and it's amazing I'd say Russell Hicks yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. Russell okay Hicks. that's cool man so how would you describe your act in three words um, unbelievably disappointing well, that's that's, that's uh, yeah, that's a quite adequate, wasn't that's it? That's quite an adequate. Uh, yeah, yeah, in, uh, incredibly disappointing. That's th- that's the three words that you'd have. Yeah. Oh, so someone loves being postmodern, don't well, they? Yeah. <laughs> someone loves being a wanker. That's the. I I don't know. Is... I I think shambolic, friendly. I'd like to think it's yeah. friendly. It's silly. A lot of the yeah. jokes are silly. Awesome. See, so, yeah. so you're not disappointing. Well, if there's a a force. Yeah. Uh, What's the weirdest thing uh, you've ever done on stage? Oh, interesting question. I'm sure there are like uh, many. I dressed up as a chicken uh, (laughs) for the two free festival launches. I'll be doing that again. Dressed as Donald Trump uh, this year. I uh, I once actually uh, in Maggie's chamber. Yeah. So if anyone. Maggie's Chamber in Edinburgh is a 189 capacity room and I used to do shit at the Fringe uh, sort of for the past couple of years. Four years ago, Alex Petty, who runs the free Fringe, had booked it to be at half one in the morning and I'd done it every single weekend and it'd been really, really good fun but it was it was terrible. It was yeah. a half one in the morning and, you know, we generally got about sort of 60 to 100 people in. And the last night that I did this, I can't remember what had happened. It, it was like late and live, but people hadn't even paid. Oh, so they yeah. would just walk out. And someone had said something about stage diving uh, or crowd surfing. So I decided to crowd surf. Now, what I didn't realise was, because I couldn't see from the stage, there were six rows of solid people. Then there were two rows of nothing. Oh, so no. I crowd surfed over these people and then landed on my <laughs> neck... With my feet in the air. <laughs> but the sound guy didn't turn the music on. So from the floor, with my feet in the air, I'd say, that's been shit in the fringe, thanks, and good night. And people just walked out as I tried to replace my vertebra back in their original places. But I bet you were, as you were on the floor, it's like, put money in the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, I'm going to need it for all this surgery. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was definitely a, a kind of low point, I think. <laughs> that's a funny story, man. Um, here's also a brand new question for you. Um, what routine have you loved but audience have never got? Oh, brilliant question. Um, there's so many. I actually don't think, I think what people enjoy and what I do enjoy didn't really go well. For example, last year I did a show about circumcision. I wanted, <laughs> yeah. I wanted the end joke to be, 
Um, I realise it's ironic that a show about circumcision doesn't really have an ending. Hey. Never a laugh. What? what? Never a laugh. People, what? Were, people were always like, okay, well, he doesn't have an ending. And I was like, well, that was kind of... And then it kind of, I tried to do this sort of, and it wasn't meant to be Stuart Lee. It was just trying to like explain that, like, oh, that was the, because you don't have a peanut, like peanut, but no. Yeah. Um, what other joke have I had? Oh, an amazing story that I really love that I think if in years to come, I get more cojones. Um, I think I would love to retell. Basically, a story that I really love, never got a good reaction. My ex-housemate used to have a snake. One day it escaped. I didn't realise before he got a snake, I was terrified mm-hmm. of snake, like, like pathologically. I went into the kitchen one day, opened the kitchen underneath the sink, and there was this like red snake rearing up. It was like a <laughs> foot long. I was like, fuck! Ran into the bedroom, and I just stood on my bed. Yeah. Because I was so scared. I stood on my bed, and I rang up my housemate. I was like, Rich, Rich, the fucking snake. I was like, what are you doing? He went, oh my God, I must have left it out. Not where you want to hear. Yeah. And he said, look, just close the cupboard in the kitchen, that will contain it I'll deal with it when I go home and I was like fair enough when it wasn't in the cupboard oh god and I was like I'm now in a flat where I don't know where a snake is but it's in this and I was absolutely terrified and I rang the only person I knew that would be available during the day and yes I get a lot of stick for this so I rang my mummy yeah. <laughs> and I went mum mum Richard fucking like, left the snake out there's a snake there's a snake out. and she said uh, and I said, look, look, what happened is so I opened the cupboard, it was there. Uh, and she went, well, Dave, it's only a grass snake. I said, like, what do you mean? When did you become fucking, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, I, I said, and she went, well, it won't, it's not venomous. I went, I don't give a shit about his venomosity. I'm just terrified of it. And she said something that I thought was hilarious. My mum's scared of cows. And she said, yeah, I'd be exactly the same if I found a cow underneath yeah, the sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just love that. I never, I never got a good reaction. Yeah. Uh, so it is funny. I think it's quite funny. Just imagine just open up the, uh, the drawers going <laughs> yeah, like a bovine yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yes that's a good line man I just kind of think that I, I think with a lot of stuff this is the thing this is what really gets me out of the other day a bloke was really insecure and actually I don't know a lot of people I think would d- disagree but I don't think just being able to crack jokes makes you a stand up I think there's a lot of storytelling elements yeah yeah as well what you what you, you and John might have thought was funny in the pub, yeah. if you tell that to 200 people, they don't know those people. But, but uh, there comes a certain point when you're a comedian that material is there really just to get to you A to B. You don't have to use mm. it. You're, you're but to do 20 minutes of your time. You're but to 20 minutes of you, you know, yeah. so you can either tear around, you can do material, but you're there just to make people laugh. And that really comes down to... Uh, whatever skills you have in your arsenal, whether that's crowd work or uh, you can do material, it just means to an end, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and they, I think they fundamentally find uh, the comedian themselves funny as a person, not necessarily. The material definitely helps, mm-hmm. but it's not the, the sole thing that yeah. sells it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. But uh, what gig did you die at last? Oh my god! Um, I think so many. How long have you got? <laughs> yeah. I think the gig that I died the best at yeah. recently. I did, uh, and I would say I'm not going to name the club. I'm going to name it Baby Blue Liverpool. Oh and yes, yeah. It's uh, if anyone's know rough ass gig. I didn't know this before. I was talking to Bisha K yeah, Ali, yeah, yeah. and. It took her about 15 minutes, because she knows the club, it took her about 15 minutes to stop crying (laughs) 
<laughs> after she'd thought of me just going on stage. And there was a guy, uh, I'm not going to name them because they were really, really, really sweet people, but they were doing exactly what that club needed. And they did it well. Yeah. They really got the crowd going. However, there was a bit of mocking of people with uh, mental health uh-huh. problems. Uh, like, you, like you see in schools, like people clapping their elbows. That came yeah. up a couple of times. I was like, oh my God, are we doing this? Anyway, I come on and it was a real like, you're a dick, you're a dick, you're a dick. Oi, shy love. You're a dick. Like yeah. But in a really good way. Yeah. It was a, yeah. an amazing lineup. I went on in the middle. I was like, hi guys, how's it yeah. going? And I died. Yeah. Like, like not d- died. Yeah. There was booing. There were people talking. Oh, wow. One guy in the front row, he was sitting with his girlfriend. He actually, his head, he just went, Bam! On that, he just kind of poof, like yeah. his head, like a like a kid in school of yeah. like, oh my god, we've got to sit through this. Yeah, I had to be sh- I had to be escorted out the back door. <laughs> had to be escorted out the back door, leaving my hoodie. I left my hoodie at the gig because it was so bad. Uh, I had to be escorted out the door, and I heard two people. This is honestly true as well. This is yeah. genuinely true. Heard two people smoking outside near the stage door, and one of them said, "That was like watching a kite in a hurricane." Oh my god! And yeah. I was like, "That's so beautifully poetic for the cake you just had." <laughs> it's so brilliant. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's probably the worst. I also used to have this another kind of funny story. Was first time my mum and dad had kind of properly seen me do a longer sort of 20 minute set. This was like five years ago now. It's Brighton Fringe, Murray Porter and Jack Grant. And they went on first and I was kind of going on last. And I used to do this bit about how I've got a fear of dogs. One of the lines was, I've only got one bigger fear in dogs and that's going blind because if I went blind for the rest of my life, I'd have to be led by the <laughs> yeah. right, That was the kind of... And I said that and the room died. Room just died. And I got another 10 minutes and I was like, what the fuck is going on? What's happened? And as I left the gig, there was a man with a seeing eye dog yeah. that just left the gig and everyone had been so uncomfortable. The, the ironic thing was, the guy with the seeing eye dog, it wasn't a joke at him, and yeah, he'd it, been yeah, lovely. Yeah. But it's that kind of uh, vicarious yeah. o- awkwardness. Yeah, uh, and I actually, uh, I saw, I was at a gig where Chris Brooker was uh, emceeing, and there was a guy who was blind, and he had a dog there. And uh, we were like, oh, not we have to be a bit careful but as soon as he went on stage he kind of had chatted to some people uh, there was, uh, the room was a bit weird as it was because there was a group of old people as well uh, so he chatted to the old people and then he he literally pointed them out straight away he goes oh uh, uh, he, he made a joke but not at his expense but made the whole room aware of it and just dispelled the tension it was like that was perfect yeah. and then he talked about the dog uh, and apparently the dog has more uh followers on facebook than he does and stuff like that so that was really and he he did this whole be- he was perfect at it as well he just he just got rid of all the tension and stuff like that That's it's very right. yeah it was really cool um but yeah we have to wrap up now but thank you so much for coming thank on. you mate yeah. it's been lovely but before we go uh, i'll ask you a question but also where, where can people find you on social media uh so on twitter at dave chawner that's c-h-a-w-n-e-r and then like facebook and also my website devchawner.co.uk yeah. and uh your show in edinburgh uh, yeah oh god yeah of course uh seven o'clock the counting house is called say la vegan Yes. Every single day, uh, and uh, you have to be vegan to get in. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's or, a... uh, and don't bring any money to put in the bucket at the end. Just bring a courgette, okay? <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, courgette. <laughs> there is going to be random bag searches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any yeah. leather products? Yeah. get the fuck oh, out. But I forgot to mention this earlier. Last night I was having a couple of drinks, and someone mentioned that I was a vegan. And this guy goes, "A vegan? Well, I've been vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for thirty-nine years." 
and he had this big uh, leather jacket on. So how about that? Uh, that's a leather jacket. Said, yeah, so and he just walked off. <laughs> so, <yeah>. Amazing! <laughs> that's brilliant. I out veganed him. So uh, that's uh, amazing. Uh, but um, <laughs> to, to finish on, has comedy improved or worsened your life? Oh, I, th- I think you want a short answer to that. No, don't you? no, no. I think okay. in many ways, uh, I think I think in many ways it's kind of worsened. It has made me more neurotic. It's it's kind of made sort of certain parameters for me to hold up to say I'm failing in this respect I'm failing in that respect I'm not doing well enough I'm poor now it's made me more insecure it can make you feel shit however there is no that nobody is making me do this and the only reason that I've been doing this without any success for the past nine years is because I genuinely really really love it Mm -hmm. and yeah I love the on stage stuff and yeah I love the feeling of a good gig but you know what the honest thing is the things that keep me going are the enjoyment of it the uh, ability the fascination of researching new shows but without being a wanker about it it is genuinely having your little class of comedy mates Mm -hmm. and doing things like the Hastings Fringe and going around and seeing people like Aidan Goatley, seeing people like Simon Kane, yeah. seeing people like Daphne in the street, that's what I think keeps you going. Yeah, definitely. And I think more people need to be honest that, yeah, comedy can be hard. And yeah, you can be really fucking insecure. But at the end of the day, you chose to do this. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you want to keep going, other people will help and support you. Thank you so much, Dave. There you go. That's a, that's a bit of a rant to the no, end. No, it's the perfect way to finish. <laughs> Thanks Thank so you. much. And that was Dave Shauna, everyone. Thank you so much for getting on the podcast. It's, it's a delight to have you on, Dave. And if you want to hear more, you can find him on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, and try and go and see one of his live shows. Uh, obviously, this episode was recorded before Edinburgh. Edinburgh's now finished. But if he's doing any kind of tour, which I'm not sure he is, but if he is, do try and sing because he's a, he's a really delightful guy as well. Uh, yeah, and, and as I say, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at DrunkComPod and you can follow me at Matt Hoss Comedy. Um, uh, recently, in the last couple of weeks, uh, my Twitter has exploded because uh, the whole Matt Hoss hatery hatery thing has kind of... Um, like it's just finished, so my, my Twitter has just exploded. So uh, if you want to give me some uh, nice, helpful support. Essentially, what's happened is that I, I get a lot of hate mail, which isn't directed towards me. And uh, to be honest, I, I kind of enjoy it because, I, I, well, I get to have attention, but all all the hateful attention is not meant for me. So it's like, oh, that's nice. Someone Someone's calling me a dickhead, but uh, not, not actually meaning it, which is... Uh, a bit of a change it's usually the other way around but um but yeah uh, thank you for listening to podcast we should have another one up i'm gonna say next week but anyway uh, i've been matt Hoss. thank you for listening to the drunken comedian podcast and we'll see you within a week ciao bella that's uh that's probably italian for goodbye beautiful bye <laughs>